everyone, and welcome to At The Drive-In. I'm Tamira, and this is a podcast where I talk about movies from the 30s to the 60s, and I look at things such as the plot, the themes, the characters, any funny anecdotes, and pretty much anything worth mentioning about the movie, really. Today, I'm going to be looking at one hell of a controversial movie based on the 1955 novel by Vladimir Nabokov, Lolita. The movie came out in 1962, and it was directed by the irreplaceable Stanley Kubrick. Nabokov also wrote the screenplay for the movie itself. I should probably say for anyone who hasn't heard about Lolita, this movie, although done magnificently, deals with a pretty disturbing topic which revolves around the attraction of a middle-aged man to a young adolescent girl. So this is just a little warning. This isn't going to be a joyride, but I think it's still a very interesting movie that's worth talking about. The catchphrase of this movie when it came out in the 1960s was How did they ever make a movie of Lolita? I think the more relevant question is how the hell they made a movie of Lolita in the 1960s. Now that's really insane. I can't even imagine all the scandalized gasps that must have echoed when they said Lolita was gonna be made into a movie. I bet nobody would have seen that coming. But anyhow, without further ado, we're gonna jump right into the summary of this movie. So the movie starts at the end of the story, actually, which I learned is a technique called in media res, which is Latin for into the middle of things. There's a confrontation between two men in what appears to be a huge mansion, which was really messy because the night before there had been a huge rave or something. And we don't understand at this point in the story the nature of the conflict yet and the reasons behind it. All we know is that one of them is called Claire Quinty and he's the owner of the house. And this is the man who gets shot by Humbert Humbert, who, yes, that is his name. His parents must have had an incredibly good laugh at that. But all we know is that Quilty gets shot down by Humbert Humbert. (laughs) And from there, we enter into a flashback that is hopefully going to enlighten us as to why that happened. So we go back four years earlier when Humbert arrives in Damsdale, New Hampshire, intending to chill there before he starts his job as a professor at a university in Ohio. He's looking for a room to rent for the summer, and he visits a house owned by a woman called Charlotte Hayes, who is a pretty sexually frustrated widow who gets very interested when Humbert pops through the door. Also, I just, I have to say this, uh, Hayes is played by Shelley Winters, who is uh, one of my absolute favorite actresses ever. She's so good. Anyhow, just had to put that in there. (laughs) So Hayes is trying to get Humbert to rent out her room, and he's not feeling up to it at all. I mean, he's really hoping to get the hell out of there. Charlotte is really laying it on, and he's not hes not really into it, to be honest. That is until he spots Lolita. We see Lolita sitting on the garden. Uh, she's listening to music. She's listening, actually, to the theme song of the movie, which is such a good song. I mean, it's so flirty. It's so fun. And then when you Compare that to what's actually going on. It's so disturbing. It works so well. I just imagine that song playing as the world ends. It's, it's called Lolita Ya Ya. So that song's playing and we see Lolita in a bikini uh, sunbathing with these little uh, cat-eyed glasses and she slips them off. A very iconic introduction to a character. So Humbert, of course, only accepts the offer so that he can be near Lolita. However, Charlotte really wants Humbert all to herself, and it's also clear that she's pretty irritated by the fact that she has a teenage daughter, but she's really actually hoping to get a little steamy with Humbert. She's also pretty jealous of Lolita, because Lolita gets a lot of attention. 
I should also probably mention that in the movie, Lolita is in her early teens. Kubrick does not specify it. He does this on purpose, but we guess that it's around 13 or 14. It was actually raised from 12, which was her age in the novel, as if that would make it slightly more acceptable or something. Again, guys, this story is a little messed up, very messed up, but I still think it's worth looking into. To get Lolita out of the picture, Charlotte decides that for the rest of the summer, she's gonna send her to a summer camp. Charlotte decides to drive Lolita to the camp herself. And after they leave, the maid hands Humbert a message from Charlotte saying that if he's still there when she gets back, then he's obviously madly in love with her and that he must marry her. And if he doesn't feel the same way, then he must leave immediately. This is the point of the story where I was like, you know, okay, well, you know, then done and dusted. He's gonna leave her because he's obviously not gonna marry somebody he hates. Afterwards, we learn that he calls it like a cow in his, in his little diary. So yeah, he's an asshole. He's really an asshole. Uh, so yeah, at this point I was like, okay, well, I don't know what's gonna happen because he's obviously not gonna marry her. Boy, was I wrong. Humbert marries Charlotte. He marries her, not because he loves her in any way or is even attracted to her in any way. He marries her just to stay close to Lolita. This is the point in the movie where I was like, yep, okay. This movie's gonna be really messed up. Also, not only is Humbert a horrible person for the obvious reasons, but he's also a heartless little asshole. There's a scene that really makes me dislike Humbert, as if I didn't not like him enough before, but it's the scene where he is reading Charlotte's letter. Now listen, I don't think anyone can say they genuinely like Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte is pretty phony and she over-exaggerates everything and she overreacts, and she's also quite mean to Lolita. Um, which isn't really cool. But regardless, Charlotte is a human being who poured out her feelings in that letter, even if it was in a very melodramatic way, but she put out how she was really feeling. She let herself be vulnerable in that letter. While Humbert is reading this letter, he is laughing his ass off hysterically. He's laughing at her and how pathetic he thinks she is. And when I saw that scene where he's laughing and reading the letter out loud, it's and he dissolves into laughter. It's so, it, it made me so uncomfortable and it really made me want to punch him in the face more so than before. So Humbert is just not a nice guy at all. Anyhow, they are married so that Humbert can stay closer to Lolita, which to say the least is absolutely horrific. And not only that, but there's this scene where Charlotte and Humbert are making out on the bed and Humbert pushes Charlotte onto her back so that he can glance behind her shoulder at a picture of Lolita while he's kissing her. Unsurprisingly, because Lolita's away at camp, the interaction between Charlotte and Humbert gets very strained. Humbert becomes more withdrawn and grumpy and Charlotte becomes frustrated and upset because she doesn't understand the distance. Especially as Lolita not being there was supposed to be their way to get a little closer. So in an attempt to kind of understand hum what Humbert is thinking, Charlotte reads his diary that she finds. That's where she discovers his obsession for her daughter and his true feelings about her, where he calls her a cow, an obnoxious mama, and brainless. This causes Charlotte to explode with anger and, and more so desperation. And in a fit of disgust and emotion, she runs outside and she's hit by a car and she dies. Before this happens, it's important to mention that Humbert saw her read his diary. He caught her red-handed 
and in an attempt to save his nasty ass, he starts telling Charlotte that she is clearly insane, that she didn't understand what she saw because she was losing her mind. He was so manipulative. And if you think about it, those were the last words that Charlotte heard before she died. This guy who wanted to have sex with her daughter, telling her that she was insane. Yeah, okay. Maybe Charlotte wasn't the nicest person or most uh, likable person ever, but she certainly did not deserve that. And nobody really deserves that, to be honest. Anyhow, Charlotte's death, of course, leaves Lolita under the protection of Humbert, which is really the worst thing that could happen in this movie. Seriously. Humbert goes to pick Lolita up from the camp, and he tells her that they're going to go on a little trip. He does not inform her yet that her mother has died. He says that her mother's in hospital. They stop at a motel, and the motel is actually full of people because there's some sort of event going on. Humbert has left Lolita upstairs to fall asleep when he is approached by a stranger who starts babbling very fast and unintelligibly. We actually recognize him as the guy that Humbert kills at the end of the movie. He basically is referring a lot to Humbert's beautiful little daughter. Because apparently this movie is just overflowing with creepy middle-aged guys. He's also repeatedly saying how he thinks Humbert is very normal, very normal, to the point where it's very weird. And he's clearly insinuating that Humbert is not normal. And Humbert eventually manages to get out of there. The next morning, Lolita wakes Humbert up and asks him if he wants to play a game that she learned in camp and that she played with a guy called Charlie. We don't know what the game is, but it is heavily implied that he has a sexual nature and this interaction, which isn't actually shown, is meant to be seen as the official start of the sexual relationship between Lolita and Humbert. So they continue on this random journey across the US. Not entirely sure why this happens. I think Humbert wants to prolong the time before telling Lolita about her mother and also wants to move from place to place in case people start to get suspicious. He eventually tells Lolita about her mom and she is of course grief-stricken and probably feeling really guilty because she didn't have a good relationship with her mother at all. And of course she, she stays with Humbert. She doesn't really have much option really. So she stays with him and also they're in a relationship now. So she doesn't really have much choice. Once the summer's over, Humbert goes to the college where he is enrolled as a professor and he takes Lolita with him who starts at a new high school there. Although we're hardly ever meeting new people in the movie, I mean, it's very focused, of course, on Lolita and Humbert and then Quilty, of course, and Charlotte at the beginning, we start to learn that people are getting suspicious of Humbert and how weirdly overprotective he was over his daughter. By this point, Humbert has gotten exceedingly overprotective. He doesn't let Lolita do any extracurricular activities. He's always interrogating her on where she's been and who she's been with, and he forbids her from talking to guys. You know, he just does the whole works. One night, when Humbert goes back home, he finds a stranger sitting on his couch. The man introduces himself as Dr. Zempf, the psychologist from Lilita's school. He implies that he has an idea about the unnatural relationship between Humbert and Lolita, and through a very subtle kind of blackmail, persuades Humbert to let Lolita participate in the school play. That's apparently his priority, not to get this, uh, girl out of this really shitty situation, but like, listen, I won't tell anybody that you're having sex with this minor if you let her be the star of my play. How about it? Humbert, of course, agrees to this, 
And the viewer knows that the stranger who presents himself as Dr. Zempf is actually Quilty in a costume. And Quilty is the same guy who talked to Humbert in the hotel and they'd actually met before in the movie at a ball. I should probably say Quilty is a playwright and he also has a messed up obsession with Lolita because the men in this movie are just great. So we skip ahead a few months and we see Humbert go and attend the performance where Lolita is the star. And during the performance, Humbert learns from the piano teacher that Lolita had been lying to him about her going to piano lessons. That apparently she had canceled the last few piano lessons. He rapidly takes her home and they get into a big argument about it with Lolita calling him a freak and everything. And Humbert decides to leave the college and to go on the road again. He just wants to be with Lolita. He doesn't want other people to get between them. And at first Lolita vehemently rejects this idea, but all of a sudden she gets very enthusiastic about it. So they go off again on this very bizarre road trip. So they set off once again. And once they're on the road, Humbert realizes that there is a car following them. During the trip, Lolita gets very sick. So Humbert takes her to a hospital. He can't stay with her the whole time, unfortunately for him. So he eventually has to leave her there. When he returns the next morning, however, he finds out that she's gone and that she'd been picked up by someone who claimed to be her uncle. Can you imagine how easy it was just to bullshit about who you were? I mean, a random guy could go in looking like a seven-year-old and claim to be her father and they would let her go. It's actually terrifying. It's a really bad system. I I'm glad we got away from that. Just say again, Quilty is a playwright who had had an affair at some point with Charlotte, but who was obsessed with Lolita and who had been following them around the country, dressing up as different people and pretending to be different people just to basically stalk them along the way. Lolita tells Humbert that Quilty took her and they started an affair, but that he promptly abandoned her after she refused to be in one of his art films, which is another way to say porno. Humbert is still infatuated with Lolita and he begs her to leave her husband and go with him, but she refuses. So Humbert leaves her with $13,000. And after he leaves her, he drives to Quilty's house where we are once again at the beginning of the movie and we see that Humbert kills Quilty. And that's the end of the movie. How is everyone feeling? Is everyone okay? Because I was not after seeing this movie, even though I did enjoy it, surprisingly enough. I think that's what I'm talking about it. It's undeniable that humans have a certain attraction to things that are utterly disturbing. I think that's been the same way since the dawn of humanity. That's also why they keep bringing out new serial killer movies starring, for some reason, old Disney stars. But that's neither here nor there. Needless to say, this movie is very disturbing. Nonetheless, it is important to talk about because it is an absolutely amazing piece of art. And we cannot forget that this movie came out in the 1960s. Even though Kubrick did say that if he only knew how many limitations he would have because of the censorship, then he would never have done the movie in the first place. But honestly, 
That's what makes the movie so brilliant. It's the lack of anything blatantly sexual. It's the fact that everyone knows exactly what is going on without it having been made especially clear by a sexual interaction, even though of course it is heavily implied. It's the sheer talent needed to make this movie so disturbing through such implicit moments. We don't need to see them full on making out to feel uncomfortable. It's just by the way they look at each other and the gestures and their actions and sometimes by the way they touch. For example, there's that scene in the movie that is just, you can't, it's unforgettable. It's when Humbert is painting her toenails and just from that shot, you know everything you need to know about it. And damn, is that powerful. Another reason why this movie is so good at communicating that message of underlying sexuality is the talent of the actors themselves. Of course, there's James Mason, who is brilliant as a seedy sexual predator with his drawling voice and his expressive eyes. But then you have Sue Lyon, who seriously just steals the show. I mean, guys, Grab onto your hats because this will blow your mind if you had absolutely no idea. Lion was actually 14 while shooting this movie. I don't know what's more incredible, that they let an actual 14 year old play this role or that she played it so amazingly well. She was 15 when the movie came out and funnily enough, she was not allowed to watch the movie because you had to be at least 16 to see it. Now it's hard to overlook the fact that Lion was 14 and playing such a role because it puts her in this very sexual role. And I don't think I need to be the one to spell this out, but sexualizing minors is not okay. However, it is undeniable that she did an amazing job. I mean, her flirty behavior, her fierceness and childlike enthusiasm and cheekiness, it was striking. It made it all the more disturbing because she really brought the character of Lolita to life. And I would not be surprised if there were a lot of Humberts in the audience getting too enthralled by her, which I think was kind of what Kubrick intended, to be honest. The skill needed to make this movie and to pull it off was tremendous. And though Kubrick said he would not have made it, we're lucky that he did in the end. Kubrick was making a movie based on an infamous novel, which almost every audience member would have been familiar with before going to the movies. The audience undoubtedly had expectations and preconceptions of what the movie would be like, and Kubrick was fully aware of this. They'd probably expect a serious movie as it deals with a disturbing topic. But the first thing Kubrick does is knock this expectation down. He presents us with Quilty, utterly smashed and dressed in a toga, who after being asked if he is indeed Quilty by Humbert says, no, I am Spartacus. Have you come to free the slaves or something? <laughs> I should mention that this is a nod to Kubrick's 1960 movie, Spartacus, of course, a very famous movie. So when this audience is faced with this pretty bizarre and kind of funny character, which is Quilty, they don't know what to think anymore. They don't know where the movie is, is headed. And that is exactly what Kubrick wanted. Quilty's character throughout the movie keeps up this strange undercurrent of humor, you know, what with all the bizarre characters he's playing. And also there's this very comedic scene during the movie, which seems out of place when you watch it for the first time, but it's totally not when you actually read up about it. When Humbert and Lolita stop at the first motel, there's only one bed. This, of course, is definitely not a problem for Humbert, but for pretense sake, he asks for a cot. 
What he's actually hoping for is that by leaving Lolita in the bed while he goes down for a drink, she'll fall asleep so that he can climb in unperceived. Nevertheless, the cot is brought to the room, and although he tries to explain to the hotel worker that he doesn't need it anymore, this scene made me shiver with discomfort when I first watched it, by the way, because it, it was so disturbing. But anyhow, he ends up bringing it in anyways because the hotel worker just tells him to take it. Thus begins a really long scene where the hotel worker and Humbert try to open the cot, which is refusing to open. It ends up with them tumbling all over the place. And honestly, when I watched this scene, I was a bit put off because I felt like it didn't add anything to the movie. And I didn't understand why it was included. But Kubrick had that slapstick kind of scene in there because he wanted to show how ridiculous Humbert's intended goal is, which is to sneak into Lolita's bed pretending like the cot didn't come. The scene is meant to show him for what he really is, which is this pathetic and ridiculous man. So in this moment of great anticipation and discomfort, where the audience is thinking that Humbert is going to sleep with Lolita, it ends with this huge anticlimax where Humbert ends up sleeping in the cot. And that's exactly what Kubrick intended. Now, I've said the movie is subtle, which in our day and age is an understatement, but actually for the time, there were some pretty direct references to what was going on. For example, when Charlotte first meets Humbert and is trying to convince him to stay, she's talking about how her home is stimulating and how her famous cherry pies are known by the whole neighborhood and that she has late night snacks. I don't think I need to spell out exactly what all this means and what the director intended. <laughs> I mean, come on guys, the camp that Lolita goes to is actually called Camp Climax. I mean, how's that for subtlety? The sense of sexuality and indecency is also communicated through imagery. There are a lot of phallic-shaped objects. The urn where Charlotte keeps her first husband's ashes, for example, and which, for some reason, Humbert strokes suggestively. Because apparently he wasn't creepy enough already. Well, yeah, that urn is phallic-shaped. And then there's a clock on the wall, which is specifically phallic. And... There is, which is a bit more obvious, the soda bottles that Lolita is constantly having and which are uh, undoubtedly similar to something that we're all very aware of. And then, of course, the clothes are suggestive as well. So Charlotte is seen wearing leopard print, which is considered to be sexy because of the association with the wild and dangerous animal. And then, of course, we first meet Lolita in a bikini, sucking away at a soda bottle. Need it be any more obvious than that? And also, Humbert's clothing is quite significant. He is often in white or light clothing before the sexual relationship with Lolita begins. But afterwards, he's shown in dark clothes. I mean, isn't that just genius? It's, it's the kind of thing one can easily miss if they're not specifically looking out for it. For example, I did not catch on to this while I was watching. And that's why it's always so interesting and worth it reading up on the movie after having seen it. Now let's have a closer look at the characters. First of all, you have Humbert himself. Now it is very important to realize that we are seeing the movie through Humbert's perspective. His narrative though is completely unreliable and we only really see the movie from his perspective and from what he wants us to see. We don't get a proper insight into Lolita's thoughts and feelings throughout the story. It's clear that Humbert considers himself as well to be superior to everyone else. For example, 
This can clearly be seen by the way he treats Charlotte and also how he almost feels entitled to have Lolita. Humbert is, uh, to say the least, a bit of a monster. He contemplates killing Charlotte to be closer to Lolita, celebrates Charlotte's death by having a bath, and refrains from telling Lolita about a mom's death so as to not spoil her desire for sex. This guy's an asshole. I, I don't need to make it even clearer than that. <laughs> then, of course, we have Lolita. Lolita is shown as flirty, manipulative, and very intelligent. And the most disturbing thing is that Lolita is presented as a fully sexual being. We, as the audience, because of Humbert's narrative and perspective, are basically tricked to perceiving Lolita as a sexual being. And Humbert uses this as some sort of justification for his lust. Knowing the world we live in, many people would also choose to blame Lolita, not just Humbert, saying that she's very provocative and, and bringing it onto herself. This is obviously bullshit. Even if she is flirty, she's 14, and he's in the book, he's in his late 30s, although in the movie, he appears much older, and Mason himself was 53 when this movie was filmed. Minas should not be looked at as seductive beings and then blamed. I mean, sure, Lolita might be indeed sexually attracted to Humbert at an age where one usually starts exploring their own sexuality, but that certainly does not mean that he can take advantage of that. We start to forget that Lolita is a kid, and then in unexpected moments, it hits us in full force. For example, when Humbert goes to see her perform in the play, suddenly it's like, holy shit, Lolita is just a kid in school starring in her school's play, man. She's not the sexual being that Humbert makes her out to be. She's, she's young and she's naive. She doesn't know exactly what she's doing. And Humbert is almost making her responsible and, and complicit in his actions. And it's pretty messed up. Unlike the book, though, we do see some instances of Lolita's displeasure. I mean, especially when Humbert starts telling her who she can and can't see and when he's all up in her business, basically. So Humbert can't fool us completely into believing that it's a loving, mutual relationship as he wants us to think because we get a little window to peek through at Lolita's actions and kind of what's going on. Lolita is very much dehumanized in the movie. Humbert makes her seem like a sexual object made for the sole purpose of tempting him. That's what he thinks about every nymphit, which is what he calls these young girls he wants to get fresh with. In the end, we find out from Lolita's own mouth that she never really liked Humbert. She was experimenting sexually and also, in a way, Lolita saw being with Humbert as a means of survival. In her mind, after her mother's death, it was either a sexual relationship with Humbert or a place for juvenile delinquents. She admits that she had only ever been in love with Quilty and Humbert finds out that she never loved him. So that just goes to prove even more that the way that Humbert was imagining Lolita's feelings towards him were fake because she did not feel like that towards him at all. Then we have Quilty. And Quilty, as I said before, keeps the undercurrent of humor running through the movie, even though it is, of course, a dark sort of humor. He also becomes an obsession to Humbert in the end, who spends time tracking him down just to kill him. In Humbert's mind, Quilty did the worst thing he could have possibly done, which was take Lolita away from him. Although it does seem like Quilty rescues Lolita from her situation, he actually turns out to be equally as bad as Humbert, starting a relationship with her and trying to persuade her to appear in his child pornography movies. 
Honestly, the adult world in this movie is not shown in a favorable light. Adults are shown as these excessively sexual creatures who would go to any length to just get off. I mean, listen guys, Quilty follows Lolita and Humbert around the country because he's interested in Lolita. Humbert literally marries Lolita's mom just to be close to her. Charlotte's mother sends Lolita to summer camp to get her out of the way and have some quality time with Humbert. I mean, adults are shown as completely irresponsible and quite frankly, gross and untrustworthy. There's nothing wrong with being sexual, but in this movie, it becomes something extreme, something that causes a lack of control that ends up being harmful. And honestly, it'd be nice to think that things like this just happen in movies and it's very exaggerated, but knowing that 13 and 14 year old girls get catcalled and stalked on their way back from school, well, while watching the movie, we're actually faced with an undeniable and seedy part of humanity that does have this sort of loss of control that ends up dominating their lives in the worst way possible. Then we have Charlotte herself, who appears to be a fairly unremarkable woman and sort of irritating. But again, we have to remember that we're viewing everything from Humbert's perspective. And as Charlotte was the main obstacle between him getting to his daughter, then he really saw her as the worst thing possible. Honestly, I think everyone's a bit too harsh on Charlotte. She's almost demonized for very clearly wanting to have sex with Humbert when there's literally nothing wrong with that. What is wrong is Humbert wanting to have sex with her 14 year old daughter and marrying Charlotte just to try and get what he wants. Now that's messed up. And it's insane because we're almost tricked into feeling sorry for Humbert at the end when Lolita refuses to go with him. It's a form of extreme manipulation again from Humbert who is narrating the story. So we can't really say that Charlotte is a good person. Her reaction when she reads Humbert's diary is not only to condemn him, but also to condemn Lolita as if she were to blame somehow. Charlotte manifests the wrong temptation and tendency to blame the victim, even if the victim is a kid on the other end of receiving sexual attention from a man twice or even more her age. Either way, Charlotte may be flawed and she's not the best human out there, but her very obvious desire to have sex and her flirtiness and the fact that she's very out there is not the problem at all. And those are usually the things people criticize her for. The reason why she's not a good person is because she treats Lolita like shit and because she blames her for something that's not her fault. It's not because she wants to have sex with Humber. There's this tendency to demonize and condemn very sexual women, hence the widespread use of words such as slut or whore. And there's no equivalent of these words for males. What is being criticized is the way sexuality can lead to a loss of control and it can lead you to dismiss more important things in your life, like your own daughter, for example. You can be as sexual as you want, but the key is not to let yourself be consumed. And that's basically what happens to every character in the movie. They're just consumed by it, which eventually leads to death, destruction, sadness, and pain. As I said, the problem with Charlotte is the way that she treats the leader and the way that she sees her as someone to be jealous of and someone to compete with instead of somebody who is the victim and someone that should be actually helped and supported. These are the main characters in the movie and the way that the characters interact is meant to highlight the main theme of the movie, which I don't think anybody's gonna be surprised by, sex. All of the main characters in the movie are in some sort of love triangle. You have Charlotte, Quilty, and Humbert, and then you have Quilty, Humbert, and Lolita. 
And basically what unites them is this insatiable lust that pretty much dominates their lives. I'm not including Lolita in this. Uh, I don't really think it's fair to include her, to be honest. But this idea of a love triangle brings about the number three, because three are involved in a love triangle, obviously. And the number three is actually referred to quite often in the movie. At the beginning, during a one-sided ping-pong match between Quilty and Humbert, Quilty states the score, which is three love, which uh, is pretty explicit if you ask me. And then in the hospital, Lolita's thing in room three. Three is ironically also a number that represents divine wholeness in the Bible, but there certainly is no divine intervention in this movie. But three is constantly referred to to demonstrate this love triangle that seems endless and very harmful. I'm reaching the end of this episode, but again, I reiterate that this movie is very disturbing, but magnificently executed as I just was talking about the number three to refer to this harmful and this sexual cycle that perpetuates itself. And although made in the midst of insanely strict censorship laws, it does not hide what is going on and everyone is acutely aware of the sexual desire through the looks and the gestures and the words and the suggestive shots. I should probably also mention that the novel was adapted into a movie again in 1997, which stars Jeremy Irons in it, and I personally haven't seen it yet, but I, I know for a fact that it certainly is not as implicit in the movie, and it's more like the book, which is definitely more explicit. Still, I really don't think this movie has to be explicit to get the message across and to be powerful and to be so disturbing because if you watch this movie, if you watch the 1962 version, you're gonna, you're gonna feel wrong. It's gonna feel wrong. You're gonna feel uncomfortable and there's no kissing going on. Everyone knows exactly what's going on and you don't need them to have uh, sex on screen to feel like something isn't right. But either way, it's very interesting to see the, the, the differences between a movie that's made obviously like in the 60s, which, you know, I say it's surprising that this movie came out in the 60s, but of course the 60s was the beginning of the sexual revolution, even though it is the early 60s, so I don't think the sexual liberation movement was happening still yet. So that's why it's still impressive that this movie came out in, in the 60s and the early 60s. But then you can compare it to the 1997 version, and you can, you can see just how much movie has evolved and how things have changed. And also what's considered acceptable and not acceptable because the things that uh, take place in the 1997 movie would definitely not be accepted in the 1960s. Anyhow, that was the episode for today. I, I really enjoyed talking about this movie. I guess it's very fun to talk about things that are a little bit uh, disturbing and a little bit weird because the whole time we're just like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm talking about this. <laughs> and it's quite fun. I also want to apologize if you felt super uncomfortable the whole time. I hope it wasn't too bad and I understand. But I am hoping I talk about some weird and disturbing shit on this podcast, so... I hope everyone is able to cope during these very weird times that we're living through and I hope that small things that you do every day, maybe listening to a song, maybe having a lunch, maybe reading a book, manage to relax you but make you happy. But anyhow, please keep washing your hands and practice social distancing and take care of yourselves. And thank you so much for listening. <laughs>